So cutting off the mine road, page 86, I mean 85, sorry. During her travels in the underworld, Psyche must refuse to help those who plead with her if she joined them in their world. It will claim her and she will never win freedom. Refusing the path, refusing the world's call and clamor is essential to certain stages of the path. Refusing what is asked or offered opens us to visits of the spirit and it refreshes the soul by hindering its activity, letting it lie follow with the black earth, straining for nothing, avoiding nothing. Look at Emily now. Um, when the eccentric Zen teacher Ikkyu, alleged to be an illegitimate son of the emperor, was asked, what is the essence of Zen? He replied, attention, attention, attention. Now, on our journey as the first descent begins, we turn upwards once more toward the light of our innocence. Developing our attention is the first labor of this turning and the precondition for other labors. There are many ways in which attention can be gathered. Fishing, breaking stones, playing violin, performing surgery, talking on the phone. But the core of them all is the spiritual work of meditation or prayer, service to the internal emperor whose legitimate child we all are. Who, who's the eternal emperor? I think it's better. Go on. Okay. No, I'm saying, I mean, we all have different names for it, but um, I think it's God. Uh, That's a nice way of putting it, that we all have yeah. different names for it. Yeah. For her, for him, for it. Shall I continue? Yeah. Okay. Meditation does not itself accomplish the tasks of life, but provides spaciousness bringing the great background near so that whatever we do, rising in the quiet has force and beauty. In meditation, we take time, sit down, watch, while the silence accumulates, which is how the spirit gathers to a vessel the soul has prepared. This silence is the transformation of death's quiet stillness, which is so near and overpowering when we are sunk in matter at the foot of the journey. Spiritual silence can appear in the midst of any concentrated activity. As we ascend, it will be ever more with us, piercing everyday events and staining us to the core. But it is best cultivated through meditation, since meditation has no purpose. You know, the other night we looked at the koan where the young monk says, I want to learn the practice. And the teacher says, have you eaten your food? And then the monk says, yes. And then she says, well, wash your bowl. And that's kind of a practice of attention, isn't it? Who's reading now? 
Kim. At first, the practice of attention, attention, attention. Oh, I got to tell you, what's it she said? I think it was the first semester I was teaching, I was teaching drawing and there was a little girl, like a four-year-old little girl who lived next door, who barely talked, but she always kind of hung around um, like my driveway I, behind this house. And um, I said, so I don't know what to say. And she, she, she uh, turned to me and she said, look, 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 and then giggled. It's kind of like that, attention, attention, attention. At first, the practice of attention, attention, attention is a struggle. We learn how much complicity we have had with the dark. We turn to, towards stillness, but our thoughts and feelings are in the way. Themselves life, they come so fast and thick that they crowd out life. I mean, I'm trying to figure out what they is. Oh, our thoughts and feelings, okay. <coughs> We see how we have let our senses grow thin, diminish, pallid. I remember taking up meditation in a formal way when I found I was unable to watch a sunset. Looking out over the indeterminate blue and gold interior of Queensland with the last parrot swooping home, I could access comment and have opinions, but was unable to let the landscape and the vanishing light simply act upon me. My disorderly awareness deprived me in the midst of plenty. You know, a neat practice is like to stare at the shadow of a tree and watch it move. You guys ever done that? I had to wait in the car for like three hours for my son. He was taking some photographs. And so I started doing that. It was really, this was years ago. It was really uh, something. He was so amazed that I could, I could sit in a car for three hours and wait for him. <laughs> in the woods, there was nothing else there. Okay. If we look inside at such a moment, we find, find that we are still trapped in the descent. The tumble of consciousness, thoughts, emotions, and sensations running one upon another. In fact, an extraordinary disorder is usually going on, a jumble of plans, griefs, obsessions, joys, comparisons, amusements, serenity. None of them is wrong in itself. Yet, the accumulation makes us suffer. As much as our actions, our thoughts and feelings weight us down. An old Chinese teacher, woman, Waikai, put it like this. It is imperative to cut off the mind road. If you do not cut off the mind road, you will be a ghost clinging to the grass. Meditation, then, is the fasting of the heart in which, for a time, 
we do not go with our wanting and our fear. We cease to attach so strongly to the things of our lives. This is not because they lack worth, but because when we are full of them, there's too little of us. We cannot discriminate between things or love them enough. Okay, life is the gift that we do not deserve or earn. It is one of the paradoxes of the spirit that to receive this gift, we have to practice awareness. On occasion, it is enough just to open ourselves to what comes. But at some point, we have to master the technique of the trade. In this, the inner work is not different from studying the piano. The first task in meditation is to focus on, give all our concentration to the breath. We attend for the duration of the meditation period only to the breath in an exercise equivalent to practicing a Bach prelude. I just, <laughs> I just wanna say this. It's always interesting when I hear the, the line, life is a gift that we do not deserve and i'm like yeah what about that i i don't i don't agree with that statement and i i hear it a lot that oh it's you know that is something we do not deserve if we're of if we are of the same matter and we are um How you got spiritual beings and stuff what do you mean that life is something undeserved you know like i don't understand that statement i don't i don't know if he means the opposite of that i don't know if he means life is the gift undeserved i think he means life is just a gift and there's no deserving and there's no undeserving Okay, but you, I hear it, not just in this book, but it's a popular phrase, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. that it's not deserved. And I don't understand what that means. What do you mean it's not deserved? Do you, you know, you, know, you hear people talk about that we have a right for healthcare and we have a right for food and a right for a good income and all that okay. stuff. Is that? in the same vein of what we deserve just because we're alive do we deserve things but that is not a thing it's our life i is that are they saying that we don't deserve life and i and i'm saying if that's the statement i don't agree with it i just yeah. i don't i cannot wrap my head around that statement and it's a popular statement <laughs> You know, you know he, so he, he says up here something. Um, I thought that was a nice word. Where was that? I don't know. Anyway, so good. I understand that we do not earn it. You know, it 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 just is just like um, the love that we 
the love that we receive from this life is it just is you know uh, mm-hmm. and so um i understand that about not earning but the anyway i i i'll have to work that out the opposite of it is very concerning i think that's what's concerning yeah. life is a gift of which we are undeserving uh perhaps that's what so concerning yeah. right. but i don't think that's his intent yeah mm. he does say paradox in the next sentence so well this is this this idea that that um you're not necessarily alive just because you're breathing but you if you're not aware you're just kind of um you know in a trance and not recognizing life and i I think many of us do that much of the time i'm always doing things and then turning around and wondering if i did them like, did I plug that in or I don't know about you guys, but that's happening a lot. All right. We do not go with the material that rises in awareness. If we are happy, we return to the breath. If we are sad, we return to the breath. If we are bored and thoroughly sick of meditation, we return to the breath. If we feel hungry, if we have a clever thought, If we find a new plan, still we return to the breath. If we are filled with peace and serenity and sure that we are making progress, again, we return our attention to the breath. When we develop our attention in such a primeval way, we are like Psyche refusing a comfortable chair and a banquet. We know that we are still close to the dark where it is good to be simple to eat plain food. We are not yet ready for a feast. So we attend, and then again we attend, inside and outside. The world comes and goes, while the breath, life's basic and natural movement, remains. It'd be nice someone if someone asked you, you know, what do you do for a living? You say, well, I return to the breath. Go on, someone started to say something. Yes, I thought I had a question. Um, that is not sasan, right? That is just meditation as he is describing it? Well, some people have a narrow view of what zazen is and others have a broader. Like Peg taught this class with 21 ways to meditate. And you, you know, so it, it's like, You, you could take both views <laughs> that med- that Zazen is just sitting. You've probably heard that or Zazen is Shikantasa. So, um, and then some people just focus on the breath, some count their breaths. And I, I think, I think it, there's, you know, like everything, there's many ways of um, defining it. Okay. Thank you. As inner distractions diminished, we see that our attention has been too narrow, has taken too small a view of the possibilities of being human. Our plans and fears and hopes consume 
are energy, but are often a kind of dreaming apart from their objects. We want this, we can't stand that, we are confused about something else, and such, oh, what is that? Buffeting. Buffeting, thank you. And such buffeting is just kind of opera that is always going on inside. We discover empirically that our part is this opera, that our part in this opera is to suffer. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. That's really important. You know, that's from Shakespeare. And the, the idea that all, you know, all the world's a stage and we're just actors. So that's, I think, the reference to in this opera, in this play. And I was thinking about what keeps us from tranquility? You know, is it, is it the, the pandemic? Is it you know, all these external things, or is it something within us? And that's what it says here, I think, to me. It becomes clear that grabbing things makes us want more things. Hated people brings about more hatred. Ambivalence, too, perpetuates itself. We can test this observation to find that when we let all this activity come to rest, we are the inheritors of a natural joy. <clears throat> we do not miss our former habits of mind. They seem to belong to another ghostly existence, a substantial, unfree, blown hither and thither. It is a relief to see what we see and hear what we hear and not wish anything in the world to be different. Not to think of any misery in the sound of the wind and the sound of a few leaves as Wallace Stevens wrote. When the heart fasts and we don't pursue the world, the world begins to come to us just as restraint prepared psyche for her true marriage, an inner austerity prepares us for the dizzying riches of life, which we cannot quite know. A woman had a dream that parallels psyche's refusal to be distracted, refusal to turn away from life, even in an apparently good cause. I am entering a ballroom, about to step onto the dance floor when a woman tries to catch my attention. She looks wan and helpless, full of need. I pause for a moment, drawn to her, but then I turn away toward the ballroom and sweep out into the dance. I've never heard that word wan. Is that like wanting? Pale. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's pale? Mm -hmm. Oh, because this is what it is. Okay. Some things we have loved. Oh, I see. Wait, wait. It's not me. Okay. Some things we have loved will die in this dream. Hold on. In this dream. Okay. Some things we have loved will die. In this dream, 
The woman who does not enter the dance disappears from the dreamer's regard, just as, as those to whom Psyche turns a deaf ear fall away behind her as she travels. The soul learns that everything has its time and that when something dies, it makes room for the new. Attention feeds the new life. For the time that we meditate, we are free even of our own desires. Our caring is not for the things in the mind, but for the ground of the mind itself. We want nothing, avoid nothing. <coughs> we do not clear up confusion. We argue with no one in our heads. We are not right or wrong. Neither are we guilty or successful. We are like Walt Whitman's animals. No one is respectful, respectable or unhappy over the whole earth. In another dream, the same dreamer witnessed one of the great stories of our century. On the horizon, a vast line of refugees is passing. They're hungry and cold. I come up to one who has only one leg. I am terribly concerned for him and can barely bring myself to face his suffering. But when I, when I approach, he's not concerned. He's smoking happily and laughing and joking with the people around him. Such a dream does not say that we should ignore refugees who carry us, who carry for us not only their own meaning, but also memories of our ancestors and their wanderings. Instead, the dream seems to criticize an inner attitude in which we can be so involved in suffering that we ignore the lazy, sunlit forces of growth. In a gesture of solidarity, Simone Will starved herself to death in London during the Second World War by deciding to limit herself to the rations that the cap captive populace of Paris was officially allowed. But in France, as one who was in Paris observed, there was the black market and people used trickery of all kinds to survive. Hmm. Anyway. Weil's suffering was a movement into the world of spirit, a surrender of this world to the evil that is so apparent in it. We honor such a gesture. We cannot say it is wrong. It is like that of the Albigensians who were burned alive by the soldiers of the Catholic Church in Provence in the 13th century. They too were Gnostics who thought of the world as primarily evil their community produced fine poets and singers and treated women with, with respect. Yet they died because they would not accommodate to the impurity of life. Such issues rise and fall down through the centuries. But this dreaming woman is making a choice different from Simone Wiles. 
She has discovered that life can have a visible happiness. She is taking Psyche's route into the love of this world. Um, you know, the the paragraphs before where the person was so concerned about <laughs> this um, soldier and the soldier was unconcerned. It just made me um, think of the times when, you know, when you looking upon, say, a situation and you're thinking... <laughs> how this situation should be right like for myself how i think this situation should be and yet this the people involved is like unconcerned or see nothing wrong you know it's just like <laughs> that was just like playing out in my head you know anyway uh <laughs> excuse me um psyche's tasks are clearly impossible and when we begin meditation it is the same when I first began to sit in meditation, I just didn't have the concentration. I could sit down, but I couldn't track my mind well or focus on my breathing. One of the standard methods of concentration on the breath is to focus on our outbreaths. Being aware of two or three in a row was an achievement for me. So I decided to sit quietly for half an hour twice a day without worrying about the quality of what happened. This moment was like the one in which Psyche surrenders and waits, helpless, in the room with a pile of grain too large for her to sort. It took about four years of this before my meditation became at all steady or clear. But that four years was a precious time when the surging of my outer and inner lives gradually became more shapely. With this method, we don't address directly everything we want changed. Instead, we wait with the dilemma that life has given us and let the world take care of itself for a while. You, can I just say, you know, this is really a lesson and i was thinking about this earlier today I, I can't remember what happened but oh i know what it was um a lesson in patience you know like i know for myself i i can be very impatient about things and i just wanna <laughs> once i start something I, and like even when i'm looking for something and my mom will say relax stop looking for it and it will you know it will come to you and but i'm i just have to like look for it and find it in that moment because that's what i want to do and it never feels when i just like all right fine and then oh you know it comes to mind or i'm doing something else and i find it you know and and i know like in nature everything takes time right there's a um like there's a, a saying that really hit me like i think it was last year where um the movement of a snail right but it still gets where it's going like the 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 a seed when you plant it it doesn't bear fruit immediately it takes time all of nature takes time and yet it accomplishes so much and so beautifully and yet it's like i'm like breathe janelle relax <laughs> so i've actually gotten really better about that just 
um, being patient and things unfold in its time and not trying to rush and get it done. <laughs> so this this hits home for me. Yeah. You, you make a good point, Janelle, because, you know, it's the same here. There's been times where I rush to get something done or I rush to do whatever the case may be, but then I have to do it over again. And then when I take my time, it comes out like a lot better than what it does when you rush it. Yeah. Who read last? Talking back tonight. What is life but to fight the trolls in heart and mind? Hendrik Ibsen. Beginner's luck occurs in spiritual work and quite soon we come upon moments of effortlessness and peace. But this is a promise of things to come. For now, it doesn't last. Then the method we are following asks to be described in tougher images. On the altar of a Zen temple, there is often a figure of Manjushri holding a sword and a book like a Jesuit. The book contains wisdom. The sword kills the old habits of heart, the unconsciousness fused with the dark matter. The presence of the sword tells us that our ascent will also mean effort and sacrifice. The dark clings like lice. No, lice. Lice. Thank you. In a schoolboy's hair, it grows, it grows fun. It doesn't want to live our warm bodies. It hinders and assaults us. Just when we are starting to relax, night will reassert itself. One way it returns is through our painful moods. Perhaps these moods are a visitation from the soul which has begun to feel neglected. Perhaps they are just a feature of the landscape, like the frightening paths of psyche must walk. We can't do much about them, just wield the sword and return to the road. But throwing with them, we build our confidence and our sense of worthiness. Even if we are again overcome by the darkness, if we have offered a sincere struggle, then we are fortified. We are stronger when the wheel turns upwards once more. That's a nice uh, sentence, isn't it? Wonder if I can mark that. Yes. Move. Oh. 
Mooch have an inhuman quality. In old tales, they appear as foxes, fairies, trolls, and angels whose energy and purposes are disproportionate to our realm and condition. If we are too hospitable to them, even the most apparently benef benef beneficent can destroy us. So there's a time to resist emotions because it is overwhelming us and we have become identified with it. In meditation, this is the time of fierceness and endurance. If we are meditating and we hate it, fine, we keep meditating. If we get a great new idea, we keep meditating. Our great new ideas take us away from the simple tasks at the beginning of the ascent. The moment Prince Hal becomes Henry V, he leaves Falstaff, the drunken companion of his roaring days, without a backward glance. In the same way, the sword of attention separates us from the false friends of our unconscious life. The problem with the mood is not in the stuff that fills it, the stories and flavors and history, but in its intrinsic simplicity and wrongness. A mood is like a demon, wrong in itself. Moods are too high and too low. In the first condition, we are carried up as if by a yellow balloon. A voice tells us that we are fascinating and successful. We are slow to tire of that voice. Yet listening to it, even for a little while, we are weakened, made open to comparisons and envy. In the second condition, the balloon is suddenly in shreds and we plunge without hope of a soft landing. We make a kind of assault on ourselves <laughs> in which we have too large an estimation of our personal faults. We hear ourselves saying that we have done wrong and will never be able to set it right. We will never be happy or deserving of love. <coughs> we will never succeed at the most important projects. This moment is not the same as the time of utter darkness when we are in the pit of despair, fogged in, incapable of opinions or plans. Rather, this is an attack that happens on the way out of the darkest night. Moods come with grand words and general ideas, but as intelligences, they're less than we are prone to think in terms of the best and the worst to make unnecessary comparisons that squeeze out life. At sunset, there is no best or worst. The fishing fleet is black against the horizon. The surf goes thump and its white streams drift off the cliffs 
the fog banks bank swallows the fog bank swallows the sun before the colors can stain the sky the cold rushes across our cheek and we remember a moment long ago when we were happy and cold and the surf was thump again and pelicans raiders of the bird world and also a kind of fleet dive into the darkening waters where the herring, herring, how do you say that? Herring? Herring. Fish, you know, the fish, like a sardine, a herring. Thank you. Dive into the darkening waters where the herring have shoaled, shoaled. A mood can only remove us from the evening's sharpness. It's a it is common to think of moods and disperse and genuinely earn and earn and part of our personality. But that is the deception. There are propaganda from the Ministry of Despair of the Bureau of Grandi Grandiosity. <laughs> when Psyche turns away from them, when the med meditation continues to plan humbly along, these moods, like other old advertisements, wither and grow, grow stale. He really celebrates all of life, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. And I, for me that um, what Milan just read just says, you know, um, what do you say? What you focus on, wait, where you, What's the phrase like, what you focus on grows or where you put your energy, that is what um, grows? What is it? But basically, like, whatever you're feeding, that's what's going to flourish, you know? But there's a phrase that, like... You read your, what you sow. No, no, where your, where your energy goes, where your energy flows... I'll find it, but yeah. So that's why when it says, um, when you turn away, you know, it withers and dies, you know, because you're not feeding it anymore. So yeah, that's really good. Well, I, I also took that as, as meaning it withers and grows stale just because um, things change. I mean, it's the same thing, I guess, that you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I know things change, but for me, because it says when psyche turns away from them, you know, so when you're no longer feeding that, when you're not, you know, nurturing those thoughts and um, things, it they have no, um, there's no recourse, you know, it has to die because you're not, giving it any energy or attention or you know you're not nurturing it mm -hmm. yeah i think you're talking about the active process of um focusing your attention and kim i think you were talking more about the passive process of whether you do it or not it's going to happen <laughs> like, thank you mm -hmm. In our task of attention, we acknowledge that we are not innocent, that the darkness is also our own, 
that we have a taste for night, for failure and need. It is this we must confront in ourselves. It becomes an act of will to sit silently and be aware or even to get out of bed in the morning. That is so true. Liberation from the Lord of Death. The power to separate from the night grows in us as we grow more familiar with its citizens and devices. Here is a stream of a woman who imagines the relationship with the dark as a kind of bad love affair from which she has to free herself. She is ascending, but feels the downward tug. I was in a room and heard screaming outside. I went to the window and saw a man dragging a woman across the street. The woman was tied up in an elaborate harness like a straitjacket. I went outside and yelled at the man to let her go. He did. The dream shows Hades and his queen in a domestic moment. Even in the most serene of lives, many things oppress us. Self-criticism, the opinion of others, the general suffering within and around us. And this woman is becoming conscious that inner events have real effects. The struggle to enter the next stage of her life has begun. If the dream ended here, it would illustrate the process of separation nicely, but the dream goes on. Then the man asked me to get into the harness. And so, oh, sorry. Then the man asked me to get into the harness and I agreed because I felt so powerful. I then persuaded the man of his own free will to release me. In a complicating twist, the dreamer takes on the harness herself. This is worrying, like the moment Psyche opens the box of deadly sheep on the way back to Venus, or the moment Orpheus turns back at the gates of the netherworld and loses Ernisi. I don't know how to say this name, the, the love. Psyche is always attracted to the warm dark that embraces life and destroys life and makes life possible once more. She will always open the box that should be left closed. While we long to ascend, we are also pulled down, willing to return with the soul of her confining palace, content to stretch out in the dark while her unseen lover comes and goes. In that narrowness, she floats, trusting among invisibles without choice or anguish. This downward pull is so strong that we have to return again and again to the same labors, which is why the interior work sometimes seems endless. Uh, I keep wanting to share something with you. Um, I met with Flint earlier today and I was telling him about how I was um, into tranquility, which is one of the four principles of tea ceremony rather than enlightenment. And he said something like, oh, and I said, tranquility seems to be the opposite of dukkha or suffering. And he said, 
I want you to focus, something like this, I want you to focus on tranquility in the face of dukkha. And I thought that was really beautiful, tranquility in the, and I think that's a lot of what we're reading about, isn't it? Um, embracing all of life. And you do that, I think, in a relationship with another person. You know, uh, Thursday, my wife and I will be married 53 years. You know, so there's a whole bit, isn't there? You know, it's not just um, like a, uh, you know, a little romance. You know, you get to see the whole person in 53 years. Well, not the whole person, but, you know, a good part. Okay, so can I and just... talking, I think, about looking at our lives like that. that uh -huh. Okay, go on. No, no, no. Hey, are you complete? Yes. Okay. No, um... <laughs> <laughs> the statement when she's like she asked the guy to release the other woman and agreed to be harnessed that just like <laughs> I have found myself in those situations where you know I thought well you can't handle it but I can't <laughs> and then the rude awakening that yeah I cannot either. <laughs> Yo, that statement, that reading was just beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else have ever had that experience, but I'm giving testimony that I've done that. I said that um, Cupid and Psyche was a story that I loved from early childhood. Mm -hmm. And all through the story as a child, I was like, but why, Psyche? Why are you opening the box? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And then I look back on my 46 years and realize I did exactly what Psyche did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, so I'm not alone. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, but it's, it's always funny, like, um reading these stories or um books and having your life um reflected back to you you know it's like oh my god that is so me <laughs> oh that's good that's good sorry it's me to read <laughs> Um, wait, is it from Yet There Is Another? I think so. Okay. Yet there is another deep truth that appears when the dreamer steps into the harness. The girl opens the box. Psyche and the dreamer are both making their own lives, and this is the last task of purgatory. As we rise, even what seems to be error serves us. Both women triumph by transgression. Psyche disobeys her mother-in-law and the dreamer disobeys common sense. <laughs> they act against our expectation and this makes them unique. The soul is released from striving and progresses by moving into the darkness and this movement leads to freedom. We continue to rise and the unexpected becomes natural. I like this, you know, 
this seems to me um where like on wednesdays where we do the lojong and it says um life is the path right so everything that we do is really the path it's not wrong and it's um it may not be what um we expect or what other people may think but everything is operating for our highest good leading us along um the path into our highest self you know so this for me that's what this says that what they did wasn't wrong you know because it actually <laughs> worked out for them um for their highest self so yeah are we all here Yes, we are. Who will share? Okay. Sure. So there were three things that really stood out for me You're, tonight. Uh, oh. I'm not hearing you, but it could be me. Can you guys hear me? Okay, so Kim, can you hear me now? Okay, I can hear you now. It okay. was me. Okay. So there were three things that really stood out for me um, with tonight's reading. And the first one was be patient, be patient, be patient, right? Um, nature doesn't rush and accomplishes everything. And so can I. So just be patient. The second one was it's okay to take the path less traveled or even better forge your own psyche was curious and wasn't willing to blindly follow the directions of another but with that came consequences that she dealt with and actually made her stronger um and the line says like it's uh, both for both the dreamer and psyche it served their higher for whatever highest purpose and then the third thing was everything is the path and i can i can embrace all my experiences so those were the three things that uh stood out for me tonight i love that second point that's really neat i hadn't thought about it that way very good point. Who'd like to go next? So that's this guy embracing the good and the bad. I wonder if there is a tranquility of tranquility where one is tranquil about not being tranquil. Lots of little bumps today and also lots of little pleasures, lots to be thankful toward and lots to regret. But suppose I just accept it all, holding it all in both hands as a gift from the universe. Can I do that? So that's my day.
But I want to say that I have so much gratitude for you guys. Just sincerely um, looking at this stuff. Isn't that great that we can do this? You know, it's kind of the advantage of, of not being in a, um, a class where people are doing things toward it for a degree because everyone's just here because they're sincerely interested. Yeah, it's a rare thing to find. Okay, and I just wanted to share with you guys the phrase, energy grows where attention flows. Mm. And that is the phrase I was trying to uh, remember. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, say, say that again, energy. Energy grows where attention flows. So when Psyche turned away from whatever, you know, she was removing her energy, um, her attention from that, and therefore it was no longer being fed and that's why it withered for me. So yeah, that's a phrase that I wanted to remember. Milan, are you willing to share? Hi, Jay. Hi. Um, I, I have nothing, oh. <laughs> nothing to share. I really like this chapter. Mm -hmm. I have to reread it. Um, I really like the way he describes the um, meditation process. Yeah. Yes, I I enjoyed uh, hearing other human beings sharing his experience about going through this. You know, and it's always interesting hearing um, different um, journeys to how people, you know, develop their practice. Like for me, I could not sit for half an hour. I had to do it in increments. You know, I built from sitting for five minutes and then 10 minutes and then, and that's, me that worked for me you know as other people can do the full 30 right off and deal with all the little idiosyncrasies but um for me what worked was building from starting from something that i could um manage small bites right it's small bites to make the pie <laughs> and so from 5 to 10 to 15 to 20 to 30 and that's how I was able to build my practice. But, you know, it's always interesting hearing how other people do it. It's easier when you're in a room of people doing it. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You see, and I didn't find that for me because what kept going through me is like, how is everybody sitting so still? And I'm like <laughs> peeping to see if anybody else, you know, so I, it really is an individual, I think it's a, um, a very personal experience and i i couldn't you know for me did you ever do it but physically in a room with people yes this is what i'm saying not not as a not um with a buddhist group you know um but i have done meditation <laughs> with a group and i was very restless and i just could not wait for it to end and i was not peaceful i really was it was not peaceful for me 
my mind was too busy and wondering how are people doing this and oh my god when is it gonna end <laughs> so i just determined to build um knowing myself and what i could do and what would make it achievable for me and that that's how i was able to develop it so develop right. my practice yeah For me, it's kind of the opposite. Like uh, when the bell rings after 25 minutes, it's like, it's already done. <laughs> I need more, mm -hmm. but then nice. I need to work and, you know, do other things. And it, yeah, yeah. it's interesting to hear other people's experiences. It is, it's always cool. Cody, you're quiet. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm sore. My whole body's hurt. <laughs> My whole body hurts. Oh no. Is it from work or or nothing? Pulling weeds and grass in the garden. Oh yeah. And running and and calisthenics and all of that good jazz. And heat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, Jay, I like your little bonsai. Yeah, I oh, read that the, the UPS drivers are getting sick. Yeah, because they don't have no AC or something like that. Right, yeah. So. Yeah, it's been, it's been blazing out here. I think there's just a heat wave all around. And the rain didn't even help. I actually thought the rain would have helped. We've had so many days of, like, constant rain. Um, uh, New York, in New York's side, and yet it's still very humid and very hot. <laughs> Jay, I so. got a buddy down the road. He has a about an acre and a half pond. Mm. It's like down to like just a little bit of water. Wow. Yes. Did he have like fish or anything in the pond? Yeah, he got he stocked it with catfish and uh, uh like bluegill and stuff. And uh -huh. he he, he tell me he like, hey man, go fish it so you can get some of the fish out of there before they start dying. Yeah, and that's how low it is. Uh huh. Oh, that's so, too bad. Yeah. All the creeks are dried up. Like one of the creeks that we we be uh, playing in every now and again, it's like completely bone dry. No, no yeah. water in sight. It's scary. It is scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the the you know the situation of where you, when you see in movies where it's the water wars and this one yeah. needs yeah seriously right. <laughs> it's, it's like the opposite of the snow apocalypse that happened down here. Mm. Uh, so last winter, I don't know, winter or so ago, people were dying because there was no heat. And now, wow. oh, in twenty twenty, right? Yeah, that was yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was now that was crazy. Wow. Well, this connects with what we've been reading, right? Yeah. How and are then, we with all this? Yeah. I mean, we really don't have we really don't have any choice, any other choice but to deal with it. You know, the best way we can, we have to adapt and hope for the best because uh -huh. 
Mother Nature, she, you know, she don't give a damn. Well, there's ways of escaping, <laughs> right? With drugs and alcohol and, and um, you know, all kinds of things. I, I'm not promoting them. I'm just saying there, there are ways but to face once them. You, once, you, once you come down off of that, though, you're still going to be in the same position you were in before with probably a major headache or hangover or whatever. <laughs> so... Yeah. Might as well just just face it, you know. Yeah, it could have stayed in the despair of that winter, but the group, the poetry writing group, taught me to focus on the recovery mm. that happened the year later. Right. So. And you know, everything is cyclical, right? Like. Um, and I think it's, um, what's his name, Marcus Aurelius, who says that, like, there's nothing new under the sun. Like, everything is cyclical. It's mm -hmm. happened before. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I even lost, uh, I had, was it five hens and a rooster? Now I'm on the one hen. No. The heat yeah. took them? Oh no. Yeah, I got no. I got six I got six more chicks though, so Yeah. So once we get them acclimated and they get a little bigger, we're gonna uh, start putting them outside. But yeah, that he ain't like one of my neighbors, he uh raises rabbits and mm -hmm. he lost a game oh, yeah. rabbits. No, rabbits don't handle I, I had a rabbit and um that ended up passing away from heat a heat stroke, you know. We had a really bad um, so one summer. It was just like a stretch of really, really um, high heat, and he passed away because of that. You know, so yeah, and they don't do well with heat. You know, it's funny. We went to California, and it was nice, loud out there in Southern Cali, and then we our flight got back to Austin. And we stepped outside the airport like, a little after midnight. And it was, I mean, just at night, just drink. Mm. Just wow. <laughs> and I'm like, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's Mexico City? What's the temperature like there? Probably out there too. Uh, I don't know how to say it in Fahrenheit, but it's it's perfect. <laughs> 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 oh my god you know what this makes me think of um like during one of flynn's talk there's a phrase that he used that i just love and it says um moon buddha sun buddha you know it's always everything you know so we're dealing there's always going to be um those experiencing really awesome weather and those who are experiencing not so awesome weather, but everything is always happening at the same time, you know? Yeah. What is that? Oh, Sun Buddha Moon Buddha. <laughs> That's what, I love that phrase. I just think it's so beautiful because it's so true that, you know, when we're experiencing something that pulls our focus in that direction, we forget the other part that is not extra, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my back hurts. But what about the rest of your body? You're so focused on your back that you fail to realize, hey, you know, the rest of your body is not in pain, right? Mm -hmm. So that's something to celebrate. So, yeah. 
Guys, this was a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, so have a great uh, between now and then. Yes, yes. Or or not. Oh no. <laughs> oh not. <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.